So this is good news. This gospel. This story is gruesome and twisted and deeply troubling. I mean, we have a human head on a plate here, for goodness sake. It seems pretty awful for all involved. I mean, clearly it is for John the Baptist, having been made a pawn in this mess of a short marriage. But Herodias' daughter has been used also, her mother sending her in as this sick go-between to trick her new stepfather. And perhaps Herodias feels vindicated for now, But surely this will catch up with her, having worked out this vengeance. This violence will slowly poison her heart. And as our gospel opens today, we get a glimpse of how this nightmare has already begun to haunt Herod. We pick up in the middle of a story and then launch into Herod's flashback. So let me back up. John the Baptist has been challenging Herod, the local king, and in a scout, because in a scandalous power play, Herod has married his brother's wife, seeking to amass more political capital for himself. And John tells him off. He warns him that this is not the life that God would have him lead. Not surprisingly, Herod does not appreciate the critique, nor does his new wife, Herodias. But Herod, Herod is conflicted. He's angry with John and also intrigued. There's something to what John says, or maybe how he says it, that leaves Herod wanting more. So he locks him up, maybe to placate his wife, but maybe also to keep John close at hand, where he can keep visiting him and listening. And then, of course, it it all goes horribly wrong. Herod is throwing himself a birthday party and invites only important people. He cares what they think of him. He tries to impress them as he hopes to gather even more power. But then, on this lecherous whim, he promises his stepdaughter anything she wants. He hasn't thought this through, and in front of all those people, he can't bear to go back on his word. Keeping one's oath was a really big deal. And so here we are. John has spoken truth, challenging the political authority. Herod has caved under the pressure of his own ego, and now John is dead. This happens often. Maybe not so dramatically with heads literally on platters, but lives, ambitions, dreams, risked and then lost. Yes. As I sat with this story, I kept returning in my mind to the life of William Byron Rumford. Now, to be entirely honest, I had not heard of him 
not until one of our members, Amanda, began doing research into the history of housing discrimination right here in Pleasant Hill. Inspired by the the history offered and also the questions raised in Sacred Ground, this program on race and faith that many of us took part in this year, Amanda decided to find out more. And recently she shared that learning with me, pages and pages of our history, and much of it centering on the work of William Byron Rumford. A black man born in 1908, he eventually broke barriers here in the East Bay as a pharmacist and also worked hard to organize the community around desegregation. He was elected as the first black member of the state assembly in Northern California in 1948 and immediately jumped into action. He fought to desegregate the California National Guard and to pass legislation that made employment discrimination illegal and for people of color to have equal access in buying car insurance. It was a remarkable record in a relatively short period of time. And then he took on housing discrimination. At the time, redlining was commonplace. Banks routinely refused to approve loans for families of color. And many, many neighborhoods right here in Pleasant Hill and all over had what were called racial covenants, which is flowery language um, to say that it was actually written into the deed that people of color could not buy a house. I've seen it. It's, it's still on the original deed of our house a mile from here. And William Byron Rumford stepped up to change this. It was a tremendous challenge, but finally, incredibly, at the very, very end of the legislative session, the Fair Housing Act passed here in California in 1963, which was phenomenal and also very short-lived. Immediately, the resistance rose up, and soon every real estate board in the state of California together with lots and lots of white homeowners, succeeded in rallying to pass Proposition 14, which reversed the Fair Housing Act. It was a terrible blow for Rumford and to the many communities who had worked for this change. And by and large, that was the end of Rumford's career in leading the community. He ran for office again, and while the election was hotly disputed, the courts did not take up the case. He wasn't killed for this work, but challenging the powerful establishment cost him an awful lot. So much was lost for Rumford and for John the Baptist. That loss was real. And yet there is always more to the story. No matter how awful it is, this way of death does not have the final word. 
Herod, even in his brutal foolishness, recognizes what is ultimately deeply good news, even if it may not feel like that for him. He sees that this truth cannot be stopped. That's where our reading starts today, though it's easy to miss it with the gore that follows right after. See, Herod thought he'd put an end to this problem led by John the Baptist. But the community continues. The healing and the miracles, the communion and the intense challenge to the mighty, all this continues. Herod hears about it. He hears about Jesus. This Jesus carrying it all forward. Is he seeing things? Herod wonders. Didn't he take care of all that? Has this man he killed been raised from the dead? What Herod sees, even if he may not yet understand it, is that this truth cannot be stopped. Slowed, yes. Made more difficult to enact, yes. But the truth comes. It comes again and again, tireless in its pursuit of our commitment to what is fully good for this world. And the truth came for William Byron Rumford's work also. It didn't give him his career back, but the truth continued. More people picked up the work and carried it for a while. The California Supreme Court eventually declared Prop 14 unconstitutional, and the U.S. Supreme Court affirmed this decision. And then in 1968, Congress passed the National Housing Act. Rumford's work underpinned it. It inspired it. It became law all across the country, decreeing that discrimination in renting and selling homes was illegal. It was a huge victory. And to be clear, this work still is not done. We have not arrived. It it demands more attention, more care, more work. And so we have the choice now to pick it up, to face the risk, to carry it for a while. The truth keeps coming, keeps pulling us in to join in the work of the kingdom. This is what Herod saw clearly with trembling and then with regret, I think, even if he couldn't act on it. This truth is the way. It is our hope. It is this life that comes again and again, making all things new. This is our complicated, thorny good news this morning. This relentless truth and the beauty that if we so choose... We can gather the courage to join this truth, to help it forward, to play even a small part of how it will continue on, come what may. It is risky. It can be painful. And still, God's truth continues on, slowly but surely moving our world towards all that is holy and good.